Do you want to start a business, get out of the office, achieve happiness and success while crushing life? This is Boss to Boss, the place to be for that extra motivation to get up and follow your dreams while learning from the ones who have already done it. And now for your host, Miro Wieslow. Welcome to Boss to Boss. Today's guest, 14 years ago, while working at a bar as a bar back, washing dishes, cleaning bathrooms, and wiping up puke, uh, he decided in his own apartment to start up a business. And this business grew into a multi-million dollar business with over 200 employees. He later, in 2017, sold that business for over seven figures. This gave him and his wife the ability to move from Houston to L.A. to chase his childhood dreams of becoming a comedian, actor, producer, and serial entrepreneur. Currently, he owns two businesses, Project Punchline and Sellable, and is producing a feature film. And him and his wife, Dana, they're expecting their first baby girl this month. Congratulations, Tommy Barretts, and thanks for being on the show. How are you doing? I'm doing well, brother. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, so tell me, you're producing, uh, producing a, a movie, right? Yep. Yep. How, uh, how is that? Like that, is that something you've seen yourself doing any, uh, you know, 15, 15 years ago when you were working no, at a bar? Dude, like, no, because that's one of those things that people tell you that is impossible to do, you know? So 15 years ago, that wasn't even a glimmer in my mind to be able to be producing a feature film. So, uh, but as you get older, you realize, you know, you're in control of your own life. And I went to the New York Film Academy in 2014 and realized that that's an actual attainable goal. And so I started pursuing that goal uh, back in 2014. And here we are today working with screenwriters, uh, getting this feature film written. And then once they get it finished, uh, we're going to get on to the actual production phase of the film. So it should be pretty awesome. That is awesome. I'm curious to hear more and hopefully you do like a live stream like you do with your uh, with your comedy shows. That'd be, that'd be pretty cool, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, for everybody else tuning in, anybody, everybody watching, whether it's on YouTube, Facebook, or on one of the podcast uh, venues, be sure to check out projectpunchline.com where you can check out Tommy and the team or at Tommy Barrett, which is uh, on Instagram, Twitter, Right. Yeah, all my handles are to, all my handles are Tommy Barrett's because I'm yeah. lucky enough to have a unique last name to where I don't have to be like Tommy Barrett's Kitty Kitty Lick Lick seven four five or whatever. You know what I mean? I mean that would be pretty good too. But <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean your your last name is pretty badass. I'm not gonna lie. I'm sure <laughs> that had something to do with your wife. You know, wanting to be with you, right? Yeah, yeah. She, I when we got married, we said our vows, and I told her, I said, "Congratulations!" I was like, "You finally made it. You're a Barretts." <laughs> like that is pretty badass. Like it's you know, you're Barretts. Like, come on, does it yeah. get more badass than that? I love it. I love it. So yeah, everybody, that's projectpunchline.com, facebook.com uh, forward slash projectpunchline, uh, where you can follow along, uh, see you know, see more of who Tommy is and who, who what he does. While we're uh, while we're going deep deep into some uh, some big things here on the show, so when did you uh, hit that point of working, you know, at a bar or just just in general working that you were like enough's enough, you know, I, I'm going for it. 
This is Man, it. so yeah, obviously working at a bar, I mean, that's not, and nothing against working at a bar, but you know, I obviously felt like I wasn't living to my full potential and I knew yeah. it. And I was just kind of like moving day by day, not really challenging myself. And I think that's where a lot of people get miserable within when they're working for somebody else because they're not, they're not fully challenging themselves to their full potential. So they don't like their job and they don't understand why. And so I was at that point, obviously, because I'm, you know, standing behind a bar and I'm, you know, bartenders are telling me I need this, I need that. And I'm cleaning dishes. I'm freaking mopping up puke. I'm cleaning bathrooms. You know, when a bar closes in Houston at 2 a.m., well, you're there till almost 4 a.m. cleaning up the place and getting it ready for the next day. And so I just, you know, I hit my threshold and I was like, man, I cannot continue to do this. And I actually read a book mm-hmm. by Jack Canfield called The Success Principles. And that's kind of what pushed me over the edge uh, to really want to start my own business. Did you know what you were going to do next? I mean, because it's nothing to do with what you're doing now. Right. So, yes, actually, I did know what I was going to do. And the reason why I did know what I was going to do is because I had worked in that industry before. The company I owned was a swimming pool company where we staff lifeguards. We did uh, it was, you know, all commercial swimming pools. We did construction work. We actually built swimming pools. We did all that stuff, but I had worked for other companies previously. So I knew how to do it. And so I was like, I took my skill set at the time and I was like, that wasn't my dream job, but it was like, I know how to do this and I can do it. So this is what I'm going to jump into first. Uh, so I can actually get my feet wet and understand what it's like to be an entrepreneur. And so based on the timeline, it sounds like it took you about 12 or so, 10 to 12 years, right? To get that business yeah. really off the ground. Yeah. Well, it's like, it, it actually like snowballed pretty fast in the beginning. You know, I started off and I got, I think the first year I had, you know, five clients and then every year we doubled our business for, I think the first three or four years. Um, and then, you know, I, at some point I became miserable with what I was doing. Uh, and the intention all along from from inception of the business was to sell it. Like I started that business with the ideology, all right, I'm going to build this company. I'm going to sell it down the road. Mm-hmm. It just didn't happen as quick as I thought it was going to happen. I thought I was going to build this company and sell it in like three years. And then when I got into the weeds of it, I realized that that wasn't feasible. So I guess that's a very important topic and it's something I've talked about in the past and something that's probably hot right now because you're supposed to go all in on something you love, right? Your passion, but you managed to find something you were good at, probably had a lot of connections in and you ended up selling it. Do you, would you advise going against that route or would you still go that route if you had the opportunity to, you know, obviously got, got you to where you're at? I would still go that route and don't get me wrong. Like starting my own business, I was passionate about owning my own business and I still am passionate about owning businesses. You know what I mean? Uh, granted that wasn't, a dream job that wasn't doing stand-up comedy, that wasn't being an actor, that wasn't being a producer. Uh, but when I started that company, I also didn't think that those I could have, those were attainable goals of doing those things. And so, yes, I wouldn't change anything. I would go back. And here's why: is because I jumped into something that I knew how to do. So there was a little bit of confidence there, and it gave me the ability to learn so much about business. Like, man, I got a PhD in business. Uh, from running that company because I learned how to like implement systems, implement people. Um, and you know, I learned how to sell, you know, our products and services. So the, 
what I learned along that timeline was priceless. So I would absolutely go back and do that. Like I learned in the beginning, I hated accounting. I was like, Oh, and it's, I hated it because I was afraid of it and I didn't understand it. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of pushed it off to the side, but now someone could hire me as their CFO because I understand it so thoroughly. So if I could go back, I would definitely go that route again, just because of the education I attained by doing that. Could you think you could have sold it sooner? Or would you have settled on a lot less and it just wasn't worth it? Absolutely. I could, absolutely. I could have sold it sooner. Um, because just like when you start a business, you hear there's never a right time. You know, when you talk to people, yeah, I want to start my business. Well, what's holding you back? Well, it's just not the right time. Well, the same thing goes for selling a business because you feel like when you're starting a business, everything has to be perfect and everything has to align. Well, that's never going to happen. Same thing with selling a business. You think you have to have everything completely aligned and in place and perfect for someone to want to sell it, but that's not completely true either. You just need to start getting the right people in place, the right systems in place for you to be able to get out of the business to be able to sell it. And so you, to answer your question, yes, I could have sold it uh, before I did, mm-hmm. uh, but I also didn't have the appropriate mindset uh, because it wasn't until I think about – 2014 to where it was really like, okay, I really need to push forward and see what I can do to get this thing to a sellable point. What were the final steps? I mean, this is, this is very key. And a lot of people go through this and I feel like I haven't really dove into this as much with other people that just haven't been, you know, fortunate enough maybe to be in this position or just kind of stayed with one thing. Um, did you need to bring in somebody else? Cause obviously you probably played a huge role. You were the CEO, right? You, yeah, yeah. you, everything ran through you. Did you bring in another CEO or did the new business that bought it out, bring in their own CEO, their own people, or did you have to have it all in place prior to you leaving? So the way it worked is, is like, I'm a firm believer in coaching, right? So Mm -hmm. I've hired a lot of coaches along the way. I've been a part of a lot of different masterminds. I'm, I'm part of uh, connect, which is thrives mastermind. Yeah. Um, and so I'm, I'm a firm believer in getting coaches, reading, you know, reading books, basically studying the people that are where you want to be and implementing the stuff that they've implemented. I mean, there's a lot of cheat sheets out there. There's a lot of different mentors, you know, and so the, one of the biggest things that we did is we, we hired coaches and they would walk us through different processes and they would find holes in our game. If you look at any, any athlete, any actor, any successful business person, they've all had coaches along the way. They've all had mentors along the way that helped them get to where they, they are today. And so that's what we did. And so I realized real quick, there, there are really three to four key components into selling a business that matter. Any business is sellable. If you can do these three to four things, the first thing is you have to be profitable. You actually have to make money. Mm -hmm. Number two, you have to have some sort of recurring revenue stream coming to that company. And number three is how much time you spend in the business. So if you're doing all the sales, it's a difficult, you'll find it difficult to sell a business. So if you are like the last two years of the business, I really didn't work in the business. I could go away for six months and come back and the business was running, still growing, still making money. So I had people, I had salespeople, I had, uh, uh, individuals actually running the business. And so that's an important factor. And the fourth factor is, is what's your market share? If you have a business that has 99% of the market share, you're going to have a real hard time selling that business because there's not a lot of growth potential with whoever is going to buy it. But if you have 10 or 20% of the market share, 
some that's attractive to somebody because they're like, wow, there's 80% of the market share still out there that we can capture. So those are like the four main things that somebody's going to look at when they want to buy your business. And I'm talking about a service-based business because that's what mine was, was a service-based business. So if you can build those components into where you have people who are actually running your business for you, mm-hmm. uh, dude, you're golden. Like that, like obviously the first three are, are key. Do you make money? Is there a recurring revenue business model placed in the business? And are you completely like obsolete from the business? And if you can do those things, you have yourself a sellable business. That those are some great, great points. Um, I know the listeners will find that very, very useful and helpful. And and by being able to step out of the out of the business, so you practically had someone running like your role, right? Like yes. you, yes. Was it were they technically a CEO or were they like more operations no, so- and? So I had a I, I had a general manager who ran okay. it. So I had there was like different department heads, right? So mm-hmm. a general manager ran ran all the operations. Mm-hmm. Uh, the vice president, who was also an owner, he kind of oversaw a lot of that stuff. Uh, but his role was like pretty much diminished too. He didn't really do a whole lot either. Um, and then obviously we had a CFO that took care of our finances. And so what I would do, I would do strategics. Like I would come in and I would look at like our sales funnels and see where we needed to be. And I'd give some direction. And then our CFO would tell me where we are financially and what we need to produce and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And so that was a, an, uh, a very important role. And then obviously I had the sales team that would do all the sales and stuff. And you know, when I would sit down with like acquisitions firms, they would ask me, so like how many sales do you do a year? I'm like, zero. Like the customers don't even know I exist. They know there's a CEO, but they don't know who I am. And so once you start placing like people in department heads into where you can give them direction and they can, you can empower them to do their job Mm -hmm. and you hire people that are smarter than you, then you have a business that can run on its own. It always makes me laugh when I watch entrepreneurs hire certain people, but they always hire someone that they have to train. And I'm like, that makes no sense. The idea is to hire someone who's smarter than you, who tells you what they need, not the other way around. Like if I'm going to hire a CFO, I want the CFO to understand accounting way better than I understand accounting. And I want them to tell me, no, you can't go buy that because we have this coming up and here's here's our budget and it's not within the budget. So my CFO is telling me I'm the CEO and she's telling me you can't buy that. I'm like, (laughs) okay, And I'm listening to her. Okay, cool. Well, explain to me why I can't buy this. Well, here's why. So that's an important factor. Wow. Okay. So that's that's a great way to look at it. Um, definitely, uh, it's definitely something I've always, you know, been a big proponent of. And reading that book, I'm sure you probably stumbled upon it, right? Built to Sell. So yeah, read it. Yeah, right. Read it. So definitely a couple couple cross points in, from that book as well, which is a book I definitely highly highly recommend. But uh, now you know enough of that. More of now with Project Punchline. Um, and sellable, like how do you feel that now, you know, you're probably not earning as much. I would take it right. Probably not yet, right, right, that's true. but it's at the point where you're more maybe what mentally satisfied. You're more going into work with a smile every day, right? Yeah. Or well, work, I'm definitely more fulfilled. I'm more fulfilled. And it's like, you know, when you, when you have your nine to five, yeah. uh, you get to a point to where you're, you you're miserable and you're like, I need to get out of here. I need to figure out what I need to do. Mm-hmm. But then the same thing can happen when you're an entrepreneur, you start a business, you're super passionate. And then 10 years down the road, you're like, dude, 
I climbed the wrong mountain. I'm at the top of the wrong mountain. I've been doing the wrong thing. This is not fulfilling me, you know? And so then all of a sudden you realize and take a look at yourself. You're like, dude, I'm miserable doing this. And that's not a bad thing. That means you're growing. Exactly. You're growing as an individual. You're growing as an entrepreneur. And so I got to that point with my business. I remember walking into my, my business partner's office and I remember sitting down and going, man, if somebody told me how to do this for the rest of my life, I'd be miserable. I'd be literally miserable. And that's when I knew something had to change. I realized I can't continue to do the same thing and expect a different result. And so I need to, uh, I wasn't doing my employees any favors. I wasn't doing uh, myself any favors. So I needed someone to take over the business that actually had the intention to grow it to, you know, a hundred million dollar company or wherever they saw fit to go. Exactly. And so then I'm like, what do I want to do? And I had been doing stand up comedy because that was a childhood dream. And everybody tells you, you can't, you can't be a stand up comedian. You can't be an actor. Nope. You can't nope. be a producer. <laughs> That's not practical. So you go and do something that you don't want to do. And Jim Carrey said this, you can fail at what you don't want, so you might as well take a chance at what you do want. And so that's kind of where I was. I was to the point um, to where I wanted to really pursue my childhood dreams. And selling, obviously selling my company gave me the ability to kind of do that mm-hmm. to where I didn't have to you know, jump right back into a, a company. Um, and so, you know, Project Punchline was born to where it's a platform to where now we're starting to stream our shows. Yeah. And it's it's a platform that we can utilize to where it's not only uh, something that I'm passionate about, but and it's absolutely fun to do. But it also is going to give other comedians a platform to get on that maybe aren't as notable to where they can be seen by a lot more eyeballs out there in the world and they can actually start to build a name for themselves. And so that's that's been super fun. And then with sellable, like we do three main things in sellable and they're all things that I really like to do. One consulting with entrepreneurs on how to build a sellable business, because I've I was already doing that uh, a little bit here and there. And my wife and I were talking, I was like, why don't we just build a company that actually, you know, does that? I'm like, yeah, that's pretty smart. We should do that. That's the reason why it's called sellable. She's got to be the CEO, right? Yeah. Yeah. She's definitely (laughs) smarter than I am. She, she, she brings the heat. Um, so, and then we do, we do uh, content creation for uh, entrepreneurs for social media, mm-hmm. which is cool. And we also supply virtual executives to where if somebody can't afford, you know, to hire a CFO full time to where we have the ability to step in, you know, that's part of our business model is to be able to give people high caliber executives that they normally wouldn't be able to hire to kind of help guide them. So it's, it's more than coaching, you know, like a coach is kind of giving you, giving you some direction. Hiring a, a virtual executive is going to be someone who actually works in your business with you shoulder to shoulder and gives you like, hey, you can do this or you need to do this or you need to clean your books up this certain way um, to where they can give you guidance to where if you do want to sell your company, the only thing somebody looks at when you want to sell your company is they say, send me your financial statements. I want to see your balance sheet and your P&Ls for the last three to five years. That's all they that's all that's. That's what sells your business. Not like, oh, I got, I've got this great business model. I got this. I'm, you know, we're making all this money. Prove it to me. Let me see your financial statements. And you're saying that people care more about the profits you're actually making, or let's just say you know you're expanding and you buy a ton of assets. You know, so naturally, you're, uh, well, naturally, some, you know, if there's lower costs, they're going to be expensed. Otherwise, they'll be put on the books. But just you know, your costs are going to be a lot higher during those points, you're not as profitable. Yeah. So it depends on, it, it really depends on the buyer, you know, like 
different buyers want different things. Obviously, everybody wants you to be profitable. However, there are certain buyers that will buy a business that they know that is under market value, that maybe the person running it's a moron and they don't know what they're doing. And they look at the business and they're like, man, we could buy this business for pennies on the dollar mm -hmm. and we could turn around and like blow it up and make a bunch of money. So it depends on what they're looking at. But if you want, I'm saying if you want a guaranteed sale, you want to be profitable. You want to have that recurring revenue in there. Um, and that's what's going to make it attractive to buyers. So virtual CFO, that, that's very interesting. Is the cost of hiring someone like that drastically lower? Than hiring someone full time on board. Yeah, because you're getting them, uh, you're getting them on uh, a time basis. So instead of having to hire a CFO, uh, you know, full time, you're going to pay a pretty penny for that. Uh, and so if you hire a virtual CFO, you're only paying like say maybe you only need them for five hours a month. Well, yeah. That's what you're five hours a month. So we're, that's going to you're going to pay a fraction of what you would have paid somebody if you hired them full time. Wow. Okay. So you could literally be paying five, ten percent, twenty percent of what you would be paying normally. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Easily. Okay. Easily. But and it's all based on, you know, your needs. Like, what do you need from this individual? And I would definitely recommend if you're going to if you're looking to sell a business, you need somebody to comb over your books and make sure they're oh, yeah. they're good. Because when you sit down at that table and someone wants to buy your company, they're going to ask you line by line. What is this? Why is it here? Why did you classify this as cost of goods sold and not an expense? And you as a CEO have to be able to answer that question. And so it's important that, you know, a CFO lays your books out correctly or an accountant, whoever you want to get. And you can actually read your financial mm -hmm. statements, mm -hmm. understand what's going on the business in the business because of the financial statements. And that's as a CEO, you should be able to be, it doesn't matter where you are in the world, in Dubai, and your CFO sends you your financial statements, and you should be able to read what's going on in oh, your yeah. business currently and make projections from your financial statements. I love that. I might actually be chatting about that soon. <laughs> cool. Let me know, man. Yeah. Uh, and last part I kind of really wanted to touch on, and I know it's so key, and it's actually one of the reasons I came across you initially, was you, you developed project punchline is not just any type of business, not just a normal business. Right. You know where I'm going with this, right? Yeah. 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 What, what kind of business is it? It's a for purpose business. So I feel we like get, I heard that before. Yeah. Yeah. What for sure. That? It's uh, you know, that's what, uh, if anybody wants to go to a conference, it'll change their life. It's thrive. And that's actually where I learned it from the for purpose business model. I didn't even know, like I knew, Tom's shoes existed, right? And I'm going to use them as an example because most people have heard of them. And I remember the first time I heard that, that you buy a pair of shoes and then they give a pair away. And the, the, my first reaction was, man, sounds expensive. You know what I mean? But I didn't understand the business model. And so once I learned how the business model is actually produced, I was like, man, I remember telling my business partner sitting in the crowd, I remember looking at my business partner going, we got to do that. And so the business that I sold was a for purpose business. Uh, every business from now on is a for purpose business, mm -hmm. but project punchline was built solely for the giving component. And we modeled it somewhat like thrive to where, um, you know, we're, we're giving most of the, mo most of the money away, uh, which is very fulfilling when you're helping people. You know, we did a show not too long ago and we, uh, donated 1500 bottles of water to the women's shelter in downtown LA. And man, I can't tell you how happy those people were when we pulled up with a truck full of water and we started unloading and they're like, you guys are so great. And it's like, it's something that 
if you don't have in your business model, I would definitely suggest putting it in your business model, that giving component. Um, and it's, if every, if every entrepreneur was a for purpose business, they're a, I would think that we would exterminate a lot of the real problems in the world. I mean, a lot of entrepreneurs are going to be leading up like smaller to middle class, middle, you know, sized businesses. And those are actually the largest components of, um, of the, the, the industry, right. Of, uh, right. of the economy. So if you add all those up, like if you just think about it, if we all just gave back just that little percent, you know, or whatever it is, what kind of difference that would make right away. Absolutely. So, uh, that's, that's awesome. I'm, I'm glad, you know, I'm, I'm really happy you're doing that. That's something that. I, I know it goes a long way. It's something I've been doing with my business hodgepodge and I definitely, uh, you know, it's the, the small things that you do that really make a difference. They, they really add up over time and to see those customers, you know, when they smile and when they get those things, whatever it is. And for example, it goes, it goes a long way. Yeah. So in my other business, uh, and we still do it with project punchline too. Uh, we gave to one nonprofit called preservation of life in Houston and they feed little kids. One of my friends from high school started that nonprofit oh, wow. and man, like I remember I saw what he was doing. I was like, man, this is crazy. Like this guy's like really making a difference. And I'm like, what am I doing? Like, and it kind of made me feel guilty, you know? And so I called him I was like, dude, I, I, how can I help? Mm-hmm. And it was cool because we started donating to, to preservation of life. And we actually, um, like I could go to his sites where he's feeding kids. He feeds fi- over 1,500 kids a day, a day. And man, it's just like kind of crazy. You know, you're sitting there, you take it for granted when you walk to your refrigerator and you, you know, pull something out to eat it or snack on or whatever. These people are waiting in line to get fed. And they're like age ranges from like three to I think like 15, 16 years old. You know, like this is their only meal that they're going to get a, a day. And it's just incredible uh, what he was doing. So you never know who you're going to impact. And that's why it's so important. And people actually put that giving proponent within their business and they learn how to build a, what they call a for benefit or a for purpose business. That's awesome. And I definitely feel that that trend is going to continue and yeah. hopefully, hopefully it does, you know, hopefully it keeps going that way and changes, changes are made. Yeah. And, uh, let's just say, you know, someone out there, someone like me, you know, sitting back a couple of years ago and just hating my life and just staring at the cubicle walls day in, day out, you know, debating if this entrepreneurism thing is for me or if it isn't, because it hasn't been easy and it hasn't been easy at all. What would you tell someone like me? from a couple years ago, if they should go for it or not. If you already have the idea of being an entrepreneur, obviously there's something there. If you have that glimmer in your mind that you want to start something, then you should definitely figure that out. Mm -hmm. You should find what it is you want to do because you have that thought in your mind for a reason. And people like being an entrepreneur is pretty selfless because what you don't realize as an entrepreneur is you're providing a lot of opportunity for other people. You know, like whenever I started, you know, my company, I, I never thought that I would have 200 employees. I thought I was just screwing around in my apartment, you know? And then like when that happens, you know, you're, you're, you're giving people opportunity, you're, you're helping the economy. Uh, you know, and, and in my case, I, you know, turned it into a for purpose business. Now I'm feeding kids. If you would have told me that I was going to be feeding kids from my company when I started it, I would like, uh, that's ridiculous. I don't even know how that would happen, but I would say you are selfish if you don't go start your own company. And I think that there's never going to be a right time. You're never going to sit down and be like, today's the day I've got what I need. It's, 
it's all a learning experience, but you just need to make that first step and continue to make each step after that and make it happen. All right. Well, now on to our listeners. Favorite, favorite. I guess, you know, some love it, some don't. <laughs> it, could, it, could get a, it could get a little rough for you. Hopefully we don't, uh, but we're definitely going to get you thinking here. So it's our favorite segment of the show. Welcome to the round with no name because they're all taken. So the rules for this round are pretty simple and easy. You get five seconds to initiate an answer. Just okay. want you to think, you know, think on your feet, get that blood flowing. Otherwise, my producer, Steve, like they, they call him the leg breaker. He's, he's, uh. He's lurking, he's, he's, he's lurking in the background. So <laughs> let's 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 get this thing uh, let's get this thing out. <clears throat> Without further ado, what is your favorite book? Uh, favorite book would be The Success Principles by Jack Canfield. Also, uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Ten X by Grant Cardone. All I right, gave you right. three, and they're all different. I, I, I got to see what he says about that. But uh, what <laughs> what? who has been or is currently your greatest mentor has been Jack Canfield for sure, because he teaches you how to uh, think differently and process your own thoughts and get out of your own mind and think outside the box. So I would say Jack Canfield for sure. Solid choice. You're stranded on an Island for the unforeseeable future. What is the one item you want with you? The one item, uh, can it be a person or does it have to be an item? Oh, I knew you were going to go that route. I just felt it. Either. My wife. It would be my wife. My that's, wife is my rock, dude. Like It's a solid like, choice. I am who I am because of her, and there's no way. Like If they were like, you had one thing to bring, I'd be like, it has to be my wife. You know what? Surprisingly, you're only one of the few people that have said that. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, well, man, she, like, she does so much for me. It's insane. Like, mm-hmm. She moved to freaking L.A. because I'm like, hey, honey, <laughs> well, I have this this ridiculous dream. What if it was a thing, not not a person? If it was a thing, uh, uh, I don't know, a bottle of tequila. You better hope that's one big old bottle. We're talking like blue, right? <laughs> one of those like, like water uh, plants. Yeah, got to be one of those, man. You're, you're not going anywhere anytime soon. Is entrepreneurism a fad? No, but I do think people are looking at it like it's sexy, like it's a sexy thing to do because now everybody's an entrepreneur. Um, But no, I don't think it's a fad. I think it's going to continue. And I think that people are going to realize over time that working for somebody else isn't going to be as fulfilling or gratifying as as building something on their own, even if it's not to the magnitude of where they're working. How do you drink your coffee? Black. You know what they say, right? Say it. Well, according to a post from the, uh, a study from the Huffington Post, if you drink your coffee black, there's a good chance you have some psychotic tendencies. Oh, that's great! Great, so, I'd agree with that. I'm not, I'm not completely sane. I think a lot of us entrepreneurs do drink uh, black coffee, and that's kind of the theme I've gotten at least half the guests. So, definitely, definitely onto something there. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people do it too because they, it's like a like a health thing, you know, they don't want to put a bunch of sugar in their coffee or whatever. I used to drink coffee with a bunch of cream or a bunch of sugar. And I just, I went on to a meal plan and now I just pretty much drink it black. Yeah. Now I was like that too, probably high school days, early college. And then once you get away from it, it's like, wow, you actually, coffee actually has a good flavor. You could actually appreciate it for what it is. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What is the one item? If there's one thing you carry on you every day or you consume it, you know, eat or drink, you need it every single day because it makes you you. 
one thing that makes me me shoot uh, this is ridiculous man good we love ridiculous man just throw it out it's just so this is like the dumbest thing that i just thought the one item that i carry on me all the time is chapstick yes <laughs> yes yes that is actually a boss two boss exclusive tommy brett's everybody chapstick remember that chapstick it gets you from here to there chapstick boom <laughs> That's that's true. That's <laughs> good, man. I mean, is there a specific brand that you would like to like show off? Man, I wish uh, I don't have it on me, but yeah, there's a there's a, actually an entrepreneur in Houston that mm -hmm. makes this specific chapstick, and I can't remember the name. It's like Bumblebee. I don't I don't want to mess it up, so I'm not gonna say. It's not Burt's, right? No, it's Bert's like she only makes it for like she doesn't make. It's not huge or anything. Uh, she actually mails it to me in L.A. It's only for entrepreneurs. I get it. I get it. Yeah, yeah. You got to be part of the club. I can't divulge my secrets. <laughs> I get it. I get it. If you had unlimited amounts of money right now and you could start up any business, it can't be your own though. What would it be? I think that the the business I would start would be a production company. If, do you have a nickname? We're looking for a new nickname for my fellow over here, Mr. Doggy. Uh, nickname for your dog, uh, sparkles, sparkles. Actually. All right. That's, that's, that's going to be added to the list. We're going to do a poll once we get enough <laughs> names and we're going to see which one wins. Don't, don't know the prize yet, but sparkles, sparkles. I love it. I love it. And how do you feel about sandals, socks and sandals? That's like the new trend now. I've been doing socks it for a while. And I consider myself a trendsetter. Um, I'm wearing some right now. How do you feel about them? Socks and sandals can't do it. I can't do socks and sandals. I just can't. I can't. Would you Would you not take me seriously if I walked into a meeting with them? Man, it'd be tough. This, com <laughs> this coming from the guy that wears like feathered shoes <laughs> and whatever the what, – yeah, what, what are they? Exactly. Dude, like here, let me show you something. Let's see it. There they are. There they are. There they are. See? Socks and sandals. Socks and sandals. Could there you take are. me seriously if I walked into a meeting with my Donald Duck shoes on? That's what I'm saying. All right. Well, that settles that. No need to argue with that one. Whew. All right. We survived. My producer did not make it in here. He did not break in. Uh, you're good. You're good. Everybody, uh, be sure to check out Tommy Barrett's. Uh, you can just follow him on uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, facebook.com forward slash Project Punchline. Or you can just go to the website, projectpunchline.com, where you can get all the links to go everywhere else and find out more about him and his team and all the good they're doing and all the giving back, the water bottles. Uh, they got videos posted of uh, of all the different scenarios, you know, that uh, kind of talking about just what it means to go to one of these comedy shows and you know where the money's actually really going and who it's supporting and these up and coming you know co comedians and artists as well. So Tommy Barretts, the, the mic is yours if there's any final thoughts you have to say for the listeners. It's been a pleasure to have you on. I really appreciate you having me on. The only thing I would say to the listeners is be true to your inner voice and chase your dreams. That's it. Mic drop. It's been a pleasure to have you on. That was that was perfect, man. We'll talk appreciate soon. Appreciate it, man. That is all for this episode of Bossed to Boss. 
Your next step is to visit boss2boss.com, where you will find proven techniques followed by professionals to help you make that next step. Again, that is boss, the number two boss.com. And remember, the time is now.